Welcome back to The Deeper Cut, a podcast ministry of Mercy Hill Presbyterian Church. It is great to be with you today. My name is Tim Pasek. I'm a ruling elder at Mercy Hill, and I'm joined by my co-host and our pastor, Phil Henry. Phil, how are you today? Doing great, Tim. It's a beautiful fall day in New Jersey. It doesn't feel very fallish today, actually. No. It got warm. <laughs> We've been having rain and cool weather for the past 10 days, and then... Yeah, I guess I'm mostly saying it's good to see the sun again. Yeah, well, that's... Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah, we were... Our daughter, I think it was yesterday morning, we had a nice sunny day, and at the breakfast table, the sun was coming in and getting in her eyes, so she asked for her sunglasses uh-huh. to be worn at the breakfast table, and my wife uh, obliged, but then also said, we should thank God for the sun, because we mm-hmm. haven't seen the sun in so mm-hmm. long, so yeah, it is, it's a beautiful day, and um, really looking forward to our conversation today, Phil, we... Um, started a new sermon series this past Sunday at Mercy Hill, which will run through the, f- the end of the year, I believe, or, or pretty darn close to mm-hmm. the end of the year, on the patriarchs um, of the Old Testament. So a lot of time in Genesis for the, for the coming months. Correct. And um, you're going to be covering four, I believe, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Is that the plan? That's the plan. And then wives along the way. Mm. So patriarchs is an inclusive, it's a gender inclusive term as I'm using it. Let's be careful now. <laughs> um, no, su- super excited. I thought it was a great sermon yesterday and we'll, we have plenty to talk about, which we've already figured that that out in, um, in our pre-show meeting. But Maybe before we dive headlong into Genesis 11, your text from yesterday, um, what was the thinking behind the sermon series? I'd like to do that when we get started on a mm-hmm. new series. Um, kind of, I don't want to say coming attractions, but kind of what mm-hmm. what are you envisioning? I know you plan these things out. We've talked about that at length in the past mm-hmm. too. So maybe just a, a little peek or an understanding for our, our congregation of where we're headed mm-hmm. and why the Lord has kind of led you down this path for the fall. Well, we, we want to give the Lord the credit in, in all things, and that's not just a, um, a throwaway phrase. Mm-hmm. We, we believe the Holy Spirit directed us to Peter in part because he directed us to James. And so you, you can kind of see, as I continue to grow in my faith and learn more about the Lord and areas of weakness that he wants me to work on, I, I, that my own devotional life and walk with Christ is, is and my family is, is incredibly important part of how I select portions of scripture mm-hmm. to to preach on and so i really uh, without meaning to i kind of came to the patriarch series i wanted something in the old testament i thought we needed something uh that was s- explicitly story formed a narrative portion of scripture right. uh, i think 
part of the pastor's job is to address different learning styles in the in the church and and Peter's a, an epistolary a theological epistle um, Genesis is the story of stories so with genealogy sprinkled in so but um, I so that was one big draw to the Old Testament to the stories mm. uh, the topic of fathers and families this wasn't why I picked it but as I was feeling drawn towards Genesis and the patriarchs it it, it did occur to me as I was settling in on that topic that our calling as a church to support and encourage the family concept, the family unit, the, the, the idea of father rule and mother rule as a concept at all is, rather than the state or the daycare taking care of our kids, you know, my, my pitch for... I, uh, my my vision for a Christian family isn't that a wife shouldn't work. It's that her primary uh, God-given Edenic paradigm is to work in support of the call that God has given to her husband. And that that breaks out in a thousand rays of light with a thousand different women and men in their relationships. It looks different in every family. But the idea that we have a marriage partnership in which God has called the man to accomplish his will and we see the wife partnering and not partnering well, partnering well, and then the husband partnering well with his wife and not partnering well. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the things we're struggling with as a congregation and as a society. And um, my little contribution, I guess, what I think Jesus wants to say to our church is in part, keep up the good work mm. it's good work it's it's hard work but keep at it so there's there's kind of a cultural component and a family component there mm. and then you know from a few weeks ago uh get out of the four walls this was kind of an accidental discovery but we are at ground zero for uh you know the great commission of the old testament as i've since read that genesis 12 1 through 3 is called mm. so i'm going like huh so Peter's writing to the exiles, aliens and strangers, dispersed throughout the Roman Empire to stay on mission for God, to do good. Right. Wonder where he got that. <laughs> You're saying Abraham was the first alien and stranger? I think so. Yeah. I think so indeed. And so the, the Lord has his mysterious ways in threading the needle for us and... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I sit back and watch the tapestry develop in a beautiful pattern, just like everyone else. So, so as much as I'd love to say there was a master plan, and in some ways, uh, Jesus is taking me by the hand and saying, this is what I want Mercy Hill mm. to be learning right now, and uh, go do it, kind yeah. of. And that's yeah. my mission, you know, that's my little Abrahamic moment, is to say, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do it. Right. I, I always appreciate hearing from you and 
when it comes to the planning and the thinking and um, your willingness to be open and following the leading of the Spirit in these things, but also not just grabbing your Bible with your eyes closed and picking a book right. at random. Yeah, right. Calling like, that you, God. You, sure. you're, you're thinking about it. You're practical right. about it. And that's that's how God works. Yeah, I think so. Not by like, oh, let me sit here quietly and listen for an audible voice from God about who right. preach this. So There's one more component to that, Tim, and that is I don't, I don't like preaching narratives as much. <laughs> I find it harder. And I, I owe it to God who called me to the pastoral ministry and to the preaching ministry of this church, to the congregation who gives up a good hour and a half, two hours or more of their Sundays, and which they could be spending in a much better way just getting ready for the Eagles football game, for instance. <laughs> so, you know, they're giving up time and they're trusting that, and I hate to put it in a consumer framework, but I am going to put it in a consumer framework. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be worth my time? And the only way that that works is if the leadership of the church works hard to give God's people uh, something that is of high quality. So we can talk about cons consumerism but and its ills, but you, you can't just kind of roll in with a few notes scribbled on the back of a note card. And so I need the point of all of that which may not have been framed in the, the best way, but, but the point of saying that is I need to continually be growing as a pastor, as a preacher. And I don't grow if I don't push myself to preach texts that are hard, mm. that I don't understand, that are out of my comfort zone, um, not my preferred genre of literature, and on topics that I'd rather not address because they're controversial. And this is all of that. Mm -hmm. I don't understand Genesis very well. I don't understand Abraham. By that, I mean like actually understand Abraham. Like I didn't really know that Abraham was Lot's uncle. Like I'd heard that said, mm -hmm. but I didn't have to stare at it and, under and own it mm -hmm. until I had to preach the sermon. Mm -hmm. And I've read Genesis many times and probably would have got that right on a Bible quiz, but now I really understand it. Right. I, I actually made a family tree for Tara as part of my preparations mm. because I'm a visual learner and, you know, I had to kind of burn it into my brain. Yeah. So the preacher has to be growing. The preacher has to be challenging himself. The preacher can't always go back to the same uh, hunting grounds to find, you know, meat. You've got you've to have a varied diet, narrative, epistles, Old Testament, New Testament, you know, poetry, wisdom, literature, mm -hmm. uh, things you know well, things you don't know well. So um, I'm trying to grow as a Christian, even as I try to serve the church in the preaching ministry. Yeah. Well, the same is true of me and everyone else at Mercy Hill as growing as listeners and doers of what we hear you preaching on Sunday. So 
um, I'll take this as a challenge to myself and anyone else who's listening, who's a, who's a member of our church or a regular attender. Just because a text is hard, or we don't understand it completely, or we might understand what you're saying completely, doesn't mean that we could be lazy and zone off and daydream or or not pay attention or not understand that what God is speaking to us through you is important mm-hmm. for us more than just for that two hour window on a Sunday morning. Which probably looks like growing away from a consumer mindset to an owner mindset. But we can't be naive and you know, it doesn't happen all at once. And so I'm growing at a certain rate and then I'll probably plateau and level off and and the church grows we talked about corporate sanctification a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The church grows at a certain rate and probably plateaus and levels off. I'm sensing that God wants us to go through some growth right now. So I'm working double time to uh, extra hard, I guess, to bring something special to that meets the mm-hmm. needs of the hour. And it seems like the patriarchs okay. is and you know surprise to all of us is may may meet that need i i didn't know until i got halfway through my first point that that god was going to help me <laughs> I, mean, I know he promises to but i'm like I, I was thinking this morning it's like uh, oh boy this is it this you is, felt a lot like Abraham, probably. This is the last sermon I'm ever preaching in this church. They're, uh, they're going to be done with me after this one. You know, the, the, the thought reel that goes through my brain anyways, mm. um, it's not always very pretty, but that's where God has me uh, hammer and tong, just banging away, lovingly crafting me. Um, one of my favorite pastor's verses is, useful to the master, ready for every good work. A vessel for honor. This is from Second Timothy chapter two, um, and that requires sanctification. Yeah, and uh, um, sometimes I've used the phrase, uh, "I feel like I'm preaching my way out of a paper bag," like I've been enclosed in this boundary or or, or imprisoned in a way, and I have the key. Mm-hmm. And the key is faith of, of Abraham, we'll just mm-hmm. say. You know, trust God, believe the gospel, and rest in his finished work, and, and you, you know, you'll be fine. Yeah. But getting to that clarity, as you know, as a man on a day-to-day basis, is sometimes you take a very circuitous route. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to put, it, to put it in words that you used from the pulpit, in one of the points is, you know, don't settle down in Haran, right? Exactly. This is it exactly. And without meaning to, that's exactly where I'm at in my life. I mean, my short illustration of a middle-aged man who needs to press on, that was perhaps a bit more transparent. (laughs) But um, really, and I've said this, I'm sure I've said this in the podcast before, I'm the first hearer of the sermon. Yeah, yeah. And um, if it doesn't make sense to me, then it probably doesn't need to be preached because I struggle 
as much, if not more, than anyone else in the church. And so, and I think the church depends on or, or expects, getting back to this consumer, I think they have, a, I would say they have a right to expect that what's preached from the pulpit has been road tested in some fashion. Like, is this meaningful, actionable? Is this product, you, you buy something from Big Lots or the Dollar General or Walmart, Target, wherever, and you bring it home and it doesn't work? I mean, I know we're not supposed to use bad words, but grumble, murmuring, you know, oh my goodness, a second trip because that thing didn't work? Yeah. So, yeah, so settling in Haran. I mean, what a, what a better picture of a, a lazy suburban church. Not that we're lazy. We are suburban. Yeah. But I think those tendencies are there for for the Western church in general, and we'll let our listeners decide to what degree it applies to them individually or, or to us as a congregation. But we have work to do. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of good... A lot of good points you made yesterday that somehow, I, I shouldn't say somehow, I say that tongue-in-cheek or sarcastically. Um, you preach a sermon about an Old Testament patriarch of the covenant people of God before they were the covenant people of God, kind of, and that applies to us today, so... It, it, it is rem remarkable, isn't it? You know what I mean? Um, it's remarkable. It's, you, in, so, in, in a way, very literally, we are so far removed. Right. But at the same time, it is, I mean, the threads that apply so neatly and mm -hmm. succinctly and precisely to our lives today, it's amazing. I mean, there's no other, there's no other explanation to it other than it's, the word of God. The word of God. That's just what I was thinking. Yeah. So maybe let's, um, we're talking a lot about without talking about the sermon at all. So maybe let's dive into a couple of the Yeah, let's and, do that. Let's and actually that. take a deeper cut at, at this. Um, well, all the, if there's any uh, homiletical nerds out there, they were just. No, that it was, I always love doing that. And it's not something craft, we have the to The crafting do. of a message. In the beginning of a series, there's so much that goes into that. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, like I'm using a different uh, sermon outline for a narrative, mm -hmm. which is partly why I, I like my other, I, I tend to have two or three kind of containers that I take the, the work of the, exit, uh, of, the, of, the, of the study, the exegetical work, mm -hmm. and I arrange, you know this because we've worked together mm -hmm. many times, I tend to arrange the fruits of the study in a, in a certain way for uh, an epistle. With a narrative, I arrange it in a different way, or at least I have been lately. I, I, I think there's a lot of freedom that a pastor has. I mean, you'd be the judge if the arrangement worked. I think probably my, my introductory comments retelling the story, I got a little carried away. But having said that, it, par partly I'm just not used to this form. Mm. My mom said that was probably a little too long also, but still. There's so much involved in putting together. And, you know, for for someone who aspires to preach, it's every single week. Yeah. So it's, it's 
we're, we're asking a lot of a man to do this, but we're trusting God to do this too. And um, as you said, the Word of God is living and active, and it's applicable in every age and to every generation of man until God returns, because it's His world. Yeah. I think uh, just a quick note on that, and your int- I know it was technically in the outline of your sermon, the introduction. It was the content. It was the story. It was... Mm-hmm. I hate to call it the Bible study part, but who is this person? Mm-hmm. Who is the family? Where are they? Mm-hmm. What is that? You know, it's so, again, it's so foreign to us, even if we've read Genesis a million times over. If you haven't done a Bible study and looked up the names and looked up the places and really gotten into it, you know, I'll confess, I, I didn't know most of what you had shared because mm-hmm. I never spent the time to look it up. But one of the things that always occurs to me um, either in doing Bible study or when yourself or whoever's preaching provides that backdrop. And there was a lot more that you could have said <laughs> and you restrained yourself. Um, but for the sake of time, um, th- Abraham lived, I forget how old he was when he died, but uh, well, let's use Terror as an example. Terah died at 205. 205. Right. right. We have how many verses in the Bible about Terah? Like five, six. So the words that God has given us, as small as they are, about a man who lived 205 years old, aren't they of utmost importance? Like that's all he's given us about Terah's life. Right. Think of all of the things. If he lived 205 years, like you could write, volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes about that guy's life if anyone knew and had written it down. Yeah. But this is what God has given to his people. Hmm. So we shouldn't just overlook these things. Mm-hmm. Every word is important in that regard because they are specific to what God inspired the authors to put down in writing for the church, for his people. And so... It's important that we understand what they, to, to as far as we can go with that. And, and certainly we can't get to the bottom of the, the hole, if you will. Like, there's always going to be more that mm-hmm. we can glean. True. But I think we are lazy and we are short-sighted if we don't try to put in the effort. Hmm. And we just read it at face value. Not that that's not worthwhile to just read it. Sometimes it's good to just read all of Genesis in a sitting, you know, get the whole picture. But it's also important that we understand what God is giving to us in his yes, word. Yes, it is. So this is the deeper cut, and and let's confess that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, wanting to swallow the church and her people whole. That's what devour means in First Peter 5, 8, and 9. He, he's actually on vacation in Bermuda because we are doing that work for him. Mm. We are allowing our smartphones, which make us dumb, and our social media accounts which are antisocial in many ways. I think there's a there's a godly use of them and perhaps we disagree on that, Tim, but 
Uh, we won't get off on that rabbit trail of a rabbit trail. Um, our standard of living, pace of life, little league, dance lessons, SAT tutoring, test prep. Yeah. I mean, it goes on and on. On and on and on. Yeah, NFL, Everything, NFL Sunday afternoons. NFL Sunday afternoons, Netflix, anything but reading the Bible. And going to a Bible study, going to a prayer meeting. We live too far away from the church house to make that even practical. I mean, we're, we're on fumes when it comes to Sunday morning. So when I get to the consumer mindset, I'm, I'm actually quite compassionate for the flock that straggles in, sometimes late. I, I'm, I'm not bothered by it. Mm. You're here. Good job. Well done. You made it. Uh, let's, let's see what God will do and what time we have. But having said that, with that compassion, uh, we are being harried and harassed by modern society. I'm, I'm um, working on a new diet myself, and I've shared some of this with you and with the board. Uh, this big food industry, I was in the Dollar General store yesterday, um, and I, I, there was literally nothing in there that I could eat. Nothing. I mean, the, the, the aisles are lined with food. Mm-hmm. There was nothing in there that I could eat. Um, and six, six months ago, I would have definitely grabbed a handful of things. You know, the, the food industry sells us stuff that is bad for us. Okay? And the world, on a larger level, not just one large industry, but the entire entirety of the world system, is is strategically designed to deaden our senses and to shrivel our souls. And this in-depth Bible study, uh, you struck a chord with me here, Tim. We, we don't do it. We don't have time for it. We are, we are not prepared to face the perils of the hour because we don't have the Word of God. Uh, we don't own it. It's not part of our, um, not part of our system. It's not part of our immune system the way that it needs to be. Yeah. Was that a rant? Um, no. Not quite. I didn't quite. No. Like I wasn't yelling. No, your arms didn't move too much either. No. Just a little a, bit. A but. few finger gestures here and there. <laughs> not that finger, Tim. <laughs> I mean, what what better uh, opportunity or venue for a rant than the deeper kind? Okay, so, um, I won't feel no, too but bad. and I and I, I, I you were not. I didn't so mean to were, egg you on. You were kind of egging I, me I, on. I, I, I did bring it up. You did because I did. I started down a little bit of a of a rant, and it's starts. I I know you, you say the same thing. Phil. It starts first and foremost with me. It's not like I'm I'm complaining about those people. Our, our, yeah. Yeah, it's us. It's you and me, for sure. And um, I could be a much better pastor than I am. And and um, God loves me. This is not me trying to justify myself by my works, but uh, we're going to see in uh, a little bit next week and definitely in uh, two weeks, Abraham is the friend of God in James chapter 2. Hmm. You know why? Because he's justified by his works. He lived his faith. Hmm. 
and um, in in a very complicated context. Yeah. Not an easy thing for him to have done that, but he did it. Yeah. And so, um, in our day, we need to find a way to do that. I think our church is actually doing a really good job across the board, but. Um, as we've talked about as, as a board, as, as elders of the church, we need to raise our game a little bit here Yeah, to meet the needs of the hour. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy. This conversation, I think, is, is part of what God is using to stir your heart, to stir my heart. And um, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I, keep, I keep being reminded in the midst of this current conversation what you were saying yesterday about Don't just settle, right? Don't just be comfortable. You know, this is, I think this was your your second point, I believe. The believing, trusting. Yeah, be- trusting faith, faith. right. Um, you know, don't stop in Haran like we already mentioned. You know, um, you, you, <laughs> you made a very, very specific application point of um, maybe for those people who complain about New Jersey and are always wanting to <laughs> say that they leave, and I'm one of them, um, maybe you need to stop complaining about it. Maybe God has called you to be here. Right. That kind of thing. My takeaway was stop, because compl- you said stop complaining about our state and all the things that are wrong with it and be a blessing. Huh. And so I wrote, stop complaining, be a blessing. Amen. And that's going to be my, my motto this week. Okay. If not for longer. Okay. Stop complaining, not just about New Jersey, about anything and everything in my life. I find it so mm. easy to complain. Mm. Complain about my wife, complain about my kids, complain mm. about my job, complain about my lack of sleep, complain mm-hmm. about how bad I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a million things to complain about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, stop, stop, stop throwing a pity party and complaining about things. Be a mm. blessing. Mm. So... Um, Really, 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 I know you, you used a very specific example, but I think you can blow it out beyond there and apply it. That, that concept from that little hot take, I guess, in the sermon. You got some chuckles. I did. Yeah. I did. Polly especially, she, she sort of, you know, you can't do a high five to your wife, but I, I could tell, like, she was happy that I shared that because <laughs> we've talked about that before, you know. Um, we're pretty happy in New Jersey, but we didn't grow up here either. Yeah. And we, we chose this place, and it, in some ways, New Jersey chose us, and we're, we're a unique case in, in that regard from the average person in our congregation. Um, but... When I read uh, my, my main inspiration in terms of like fueling my heart for these sermons are, were Calvin's lectures, a.k.a. sermons on Genesis, which he did every day. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Tomorrow we'll be talking about, and you, you're getting, you just finished like 12 pages worth of careful pastoral exhortation. And he says, but we'll, and yesterday we saw, you know, and I'm like, wow. Talk about making making uh, God's word a priority. Monday, Tuesday, well, he Wednesday. Didn't, he didn't have Facebook or Instagram. No, or nor did he have electricity. So, you know, or or a car. So, life was simpler 
and perhaps better in, in some ways. But um, Calvin was, was speaking, here's my point. He's preaching and speaking and teaching, instructing in, you know, southern Switzerland, which is Geneva, a crossroads city in the heart of the European uh, conflagration we know as the Reformation, which is a political, social, religious, moral upheaval, un, un, unparalleled in modern times. Um, when his countrymen, he's French, so he's an exile himself, because he, he's not safe in France. That's right, yeah. And his countrymen are being murdered by the dozens. You know, the list of the French martyrs goes on and on and on, the French Protestant martyrs. And so, in his lecture, he's saying, like you can hear him talk about leaving, and you can hear him cautioning his, his congregation not to leave, just because Abraham left. And I, I can't give you a, a quote off the top of my head, but the pastoral caution was, just because Abraham left doesn't mean you need to leave. Mm. This may be exactly where you're called to be. Mm. At the same time, our brothers and sisters who have to leave, like he wasn't saying you can't flee persecution. Right. Uh, Geneva was a haven of refugees from France, among other places, where where French Protestants, uh, you know, to the tune of like thousands, were essentially uh, in exile from France. But so just setting that, his lectures on Genesis in context, um, I thought, at the very least, I can, I can attack this sacred cow. Yeah. I mean, you know, Governor Murphy, high taxes, you know, tolls, turnabouts, you know, uh, jug handles, you know, separate liquor stores, uh, beach tags costing $10, you know, windmills in Ocean City. Yeah. I mean, that's just some of it. Yeah. It's our water that makes hoagies good because it's the water that's used in the bread. I mean, come on, guys. You know? So... You can, you can, you, can uh, you know, <laughs> the Eagles 4-0 record, and yet we're still not happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know how to complain. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to get at, Tim. Yep. Stop, you know, just stop going with the tide. I mean, s some of that stuff is fun and funny and, and easy, but the accumulation, the accumulation creates a very, very anti-God, anti-covenantal, anti-Abrahamic faith uh, environment. Nothing grows there. It's a patch of dirt. I think that's where I'm trying to get at. Hmm. Hmm. And, and for, for Abraham, he, his situation was the opposite, which is kind of what you pointed out, because he wasn't fleeing a place oh, very that good point. was difficult. He was leaving the place that was easy. He had it easy. Yeah, he, he was living and, high. And God said, go. Yeah. And I'll tell you later where right. you're going. <laughs> right. But go. And then you, you even pointed out, and it was a little bit of um, 
foreshadowing, you know, later in Genesis about Abraham's life, but he didn't even settle down. So he went from settled in his hometown, home country with his friends and family to a place that he didn't know, to a people that he was not a part of, right. and never actually settled anyway. Right. Remember my three words? Familiar, comfortable, and settled. So, yeah. And I chose those because I think it very well describes not just individuals and kind of a culture in our church, but which, which we need to grow out of to some degree. Yeah. But I think it's like, that's like the goal of every man in South Jersey. Or well, that, in, that is South Jersey. It is South Jersey. You, you didn't say it. No, I didn't. But I, it, it is it, literally South Jersey. It's the good life to find around you, here. You don't, no, no one leaves South Jersey. You go away to school and you come back to South. I mean, I'm, this is my life. Go away to school and you come back. And I live 30 minutes away from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's far for some people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of friends that live in the same town mm -hmm. that they grew up in. Maybe not the same house, but, you know, within five minutes and five miles of mm -hmm. where they grew up. And that's kind of the norm for South Jersey, to be honest. So if that's your wife, I'm not saying your wife, but if that's one's wife mm -hmm. and you're a man and this is your cultural context... She has the same operating system as you do, you know, uh, iOS 17.2 or whatever we're up to. That's the thing that's running her smartphone. Right. And so, lest you get an Abrahamic thought in your mind, she's there to settle you down and to remind you how important the familiar is and how your whole marriage program is aiming for the comfortable. Now, I'm not picking on the women because sometimes when the woman gets an Abrahamic thought and she's captured by the, the faith of the patriarch, it's the man who like has that nice rack of tools in his garage and it's a three-car garage. The third car is used for you know where he's working on his 57 Chevy or whatever, you know, I, that was the car that people worked on when I was growing up. I don't know what car <laughs> the, the old guys are working on today. So it's like in, in the marriage, the conspiracy for the familiar, the comfortable, and the settled, it, it works across the marriage. And sometimes if you've both been captured by the Abrahamic faith, but not at the same time. Mm. So you're tugging on her, and she's settled. She's tugging on you, and you point out the familiar which means family, uh, it, it's rare that as a couple we're on the same page at the same time. When God calls, we go. Yeah. And that's, so the dynamic is harder as, in some ways as, as a married couple in our context here to walk in the faith of Abraham. And if you're, if you're not, Calvin does point this out too, it's somewhat helpful when, when you go away to an, a new context that's alien or foreign. And that's how missionaries can be successful abroad when you think they have absolutely no chance of success because you grew up with the kid. Mm. But in a foreign context, God will sometimes awaken gifts. That's actually the flip side of the, of the prophet is without honor except in his own hometown. Uh, sometimes 
it takes a foreign missions trip to another culture to evoke the gifts that were latent. And I found that to be true in my own case. Hmm. By moving into such a foreign context, even though I might look like a lot of people around me, I, I often, you know, it's not, it's at least once a week where I still haven't been here for 15 years where I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I didn't grow up here. I'm not really from here. Um, so some people need to leave in order to find Abrahamic faith. Uh, but I think most of us need to find it where we're at. We don't necessarily need to leave. We just need to up our game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought maybe as we start moving towards, towards, towards a close here, um, we could talk actually about talk about the some, text. Some, well, or some of those. So what, what does that look like? Cause you, you're, the exhortation isn't get uncomfortable, leave where you are mm -hmm. and do something, you know? Um, in fact, you explicitly said, stop complaining. Maybe you need to be here. Right. You know? But then you still have to wrestle with the familiar, comfortable and settled. Mm -hmm. right? So some of the things that came to my mind is, um, one of the things that we try to do in our, in our home is have people over a lot which stretches us both in terms of maybe we're not exactly like the people that are coming into our house. Maybe they're strangers right. to us. Um, if nothing else, we are putting ourselves in a servant mode. That's true. Explicitly, meaning I'm going to spend a lot of time cleaning. I'm going to spend a lot of time cooking. I'm going to spend a lot of time cleaning up. I'm not going to get to sit and talk to people because they're going to sit and talk and I'm going to serve mm -hmm. and things like that. So we, we, try to do that as often as we can um even still that's a comfortable place for me because I, I like doing that mm -hmm. um but that was a thought you know having people in your home um another thought that i had was um even in the context of our church doing things whether that's bible study or a men's or women's event or serving at an event that you don't I say you would rather not do, but it's a inconvenient mm -hmm. for your for your schedule, for your marriage, mm -hmm. for your you know. So there are plenty of Wednesday nights when Allie goes to leave at six forty five. I'm like, why can't this start at eight? And you help me put the kids to bed, right? You know, the women's Bible and, study. Yeah, and I always find myself repenting in my head before the Lord, like. Why am I complaining that mm -hmm. my wife is going to Bible study? Mm -hmm. You know, um, because it would be much more comfortable for me for her to stay home and help me put the kids to mm -hmm. bed than leave me with three kids to have to be bathed and, you know, prayers prayed with and books read and, and tucked in for the night. So uh, this is a couple of very practical examples from my own life that I'm like Those, trying to challenge yeah, that's myself. Really helpful. Um, and you see how, and maybe our listeners can see how you're working to flesh out how, uh, how you can have more of Abraham's faith. Right. So I really, I like, that's good Bible logic. It's good spirit thinking. You're reframing, 
that that came up several times in the First Peter series. You're you're learning to reframe your circumstances through the lens of of Abraham's faith. To to use this last Sunday's message, right? Um, so to push you even farther down this path. Um, these are ideas, not necessarily for the, for Tim's family, but maybe. Yeah. Um, what, what kinds of things make you happy? How are you defining success, broadly speaking? Um, who's, whose definition of success have you adopted hmm. um, in what way do you find that you are going through the motions I mentioned that and I think I mentioned that in the sermon um, at least it's in my mind coming to church we, we talked about cons- consumerism and, and my compassion for that but coming to church expecting to get something out of it and leaving is is not um, that's not in the book, right? So m- maybe I'm whatever degree I I was advocating a consumer mindset. I'm now taking that back. <laughs> it's like I'm. I'm well, we could just go back and cut that part of the podcast. We, we could. So, um, and are the people you're having over to use an example that you? Are they in any way, shape, or form able to pay you back? Do they look like you? Do they talk like you? Uh, how much of an inconvenience was it? Right. And are they living in your spare room? So, do you have a spare room? Do you have a spare room? Or could you make a spare? You know, these C- are the correct, of- correct. And in my case. So all those things apply to me. So I'm just trying to think through yeah. some of the things that where I'm, I'm feeling challenged. And um, um, for me, and, and you heard some of this maybe in the message. Where where am I fe- in the prayer request part? You know, where am I feeling disappointed mm-hmm. that God hasn't worked in my life up until now? And Rather than looking that on that as something that I'm lacking, seeing God's promise as present. Remember, I said He's plotting, scheming, planning behind the curtain, behind the scenes. Even now, as we speak, something is emerging that you conveniently overlooked, accidentally overlooked. You know, in your rage or in your indifference to the Lord, you just weren't even paying attention. And here it is. Uh, so those are some of my thoughts. I don't know if that is in line with what you're asking. or Yeah, I think it's helpful for you to, to put those out there for me. You know, hopefully our listeners I find it helpful too. I just, you know, this, this is one of those sermons, Phil, where I, you, you gave us a lot of good application, but it was, you're giving application to a, an entire room of people Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i very very much appreciate about 
doing this podcast with you almost weekly is that even though we might not on microphone talk through specific applications, I'm kind of forced to think about it, even if we don't talk about it, because I got to be prepared to talk to you Mm -hmm. for an hour about Mm -hmm. the sermon that you preached. And you spent hours prepping that sermon. You have a lot of thoughts. Mm-hmm. I heard it, and now I have to be like, can't show up and be silent, so I got to <laughs> think about these things. Which is great, because it's, and I've shared this on the airwaves before, it's like built-in accountability for me right. to actually think through and try to apply that sermon the following week, right? if not longer. So yesterday, I felt like you left a lot of gold nuggets, and I'm like, ooh, I don't want to just kind of tuck this under my pillow and forget mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. I want to look at it. I want to think about what can I do with this? What can I make out of this? How can I utilize this this week? Um, you know, and so not settling, not complaining. Like those are, I mean, I had to put it this way, but in my life, that's like low hanging. It's not right. easy. I don't mean in that regard, but it's like you could tell me that any day of the week and think, you're going to get me because I, I'm like <laughs> I think that's why Allie told me to make sure I mentioned those things too yeah yeah <laughs> make sure you put those in your sermon Phil yeah and then she probably told you we, we probably need to have a, a follow up conversation later this week when well, I fail to do all those things that's why we've got it scheduled for Thursday a <laughs> um, couple of quick Technical Mm -hmm. points, maybe, that would be interesting, just on the story part. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn about the story of Terah, Haran, uh, Lot, Abram, Sarai, and what's the other brother's name? I forget. Um, I've got the text here. Yeah. Isn't it... um, He he never figures again in the story. Nahor, yes. Yeah, Nahor. Look, I didn't even have to look it up. Yeah, Nahor. So, for example, um, one interesting thing that I actually spent a lot of time on, like the family tree, mm-hmm. uh, verse 26, which I didn't read Sunday, when Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Uh, a number of the commentaries point out that Abram may not have been the oldest son. The, the, the numbers are weird, in other words, when you, when you start looking at Abraham. And we know Abraham is 75 in 12.4. Uh, when he leaves Haran. When he leaves Haran and mm-hmm. his father dies. So you can, you can calculate... With 205, 70, and 75, these are the three numbers that are given to us in the text. Mm-hmm. You, you come to the idea that um, so 135 years old, so 205 minus 75 is 130. 130. Mm-hmm. So, Tara had to be 130 years old. 
Yeah, I see what you're trying to do. You see what I'm trying but, uh, to do? My, my brain is not working to do the maths well, correctly. So if, if, Tara di if, if, if it's a fixed point that Tara died at 205, mm -hmm. and yeah, if it's a fixed point mm -hmm. that Abraham is 75 years old when he leaves Haran, mm -hmm. then Tara had to be 130 when Abram was born. But verse 26 of chapter 11 tells us that Terah had lived 70 years. He fathered these three men. And so that sequence is not in chronological order. Mm. So Abram is not the oldest brother. He is actually the second or third child of the three that are mentioned. Well, no, because Abram was 75 when he left. Haran, and that's when. Okay, so Abram was old. So so he, he was seventy-five when he left Haran, and we know that Terah died in Haran at two o five. We don't know how long he was in Haran. That's right. That's correct. They so, settled there and they acquired property, so it had to be at least a couple of years. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So Terah's likely to have been... So Abram spent 75 years between his birth and when he left Haran. And sometime during that 75 and years... And he was born in Ur. Is when, and Terah spent 130 years between... His birth. And... When... No... See, this is, I got to, I'm, I'm, in this case, I'm like, we, you, we need, you need the whiteboard, right? Yeah, I don't know. A anyway, here's the point. It's yeah. a very, very old text mm -hmm. and it's not telling us everything. Right. That's my big point. Yeah. And part of why this sort of close Bible reading is difficult is because it requires us to slow down and, and confront oddities in the text, like a possible non-chronological sequence of brothers and um, I think it it raises no questions of authority inerrancy inspiration of the scriptures uh, genealogies are notorious I may have even alluded to this there may have been other brothers it's notor yeah. notorious biblical genealogies are notorious for having agendas yeah. I think one of the agendas here is Abraham is listed first because of his importance not necessarily because of his age. Mm. So there's a kind of an agenda in the genealogy. And we see that actually running through because the other brothers quickly disappear from the storyline. Lot remains. Yeah. He shows up again in the story. Um, another bit, if I can jump to yeah. a close reading, mm -hmm. uh, Tara is a, a son, a great-great-great-grandson of Shem. Mm which is one of Noah's right. sons. Because that's right prior to our passage. It is. Yeah. And so part of what is uh, important is to see the line of the woman, the seed of the woman, versus the seed of the serpent running through. Mm -hmm. So what's another son of Noah that shows up in our text? So flip back to 9. Genesis 9, blessed be the Lord, this is 926, the Lord, the God of Shem, and let, go ahead. Canaan be his servant. 
and then may God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the him God the Lord Yahweh dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. So this is not contrary to the uh, uh, pre-world uh, civil war South. This is not a prophecy that's saying black people will serve white people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh. It's, it's actually not a funny matter. But it just shocks me how our a prioris can drive our exegesis and that we have Southern Presbyterians that, that advocated for that. It's a little above my pay grade, Tim. I, I'm, I'm sure that was the case, but I, I have no proof of it. Certainly that was the A biblical case that was argued by some who were trying to justify man's dealing slavery in the South pre-Civil War, etc. Yep. What is it saying? Well, when Abraham comes in Genesis 12, verse 4, um, uh, or rather 6, Abraham, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak at Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. We have the son, the sons of Shem serving the sons of Canaan. That's what's happening. Mm. So how that got missed, I don't know. Meaning by, by these uh, wicked, Bible-twisting, slavery-justifying individuals. Right. Um, so the Bible is telling us that the sons of God are serving the sons of Satan, and that's an inversion of the promise that was made to Noah. Which is to say, Abraham is dwelling in the land that has been promised to him, and that is his by right, or by promise, but not his in reality. It's exactly our context. Hmm which is to say the meek will inherit the earth, but not yet. Hmm. So that's, that's kind of some fun, deep reading that, that, that further underscores everything that was said in the sermon. Yeah. But a, a little too much Bible study for, for the pulpit. Right. Yeah, you're not, you're not doing a Bible, you're not teaching a Bible no. study. So. No, no. But it may come up next week when I talk about um, the, the blessing of Abraham, which I'm pretty sure is going to be my, my uh, theme and, and topic for next Sunday's sermon. It may come up in some shape or form. Because part of the, part of the blessing of Abraham is that he is called to be a bless, blessing without any of the expected accoutrements and perquisites and tools that he was told he was going to be given to be the blessing. Right. So you've got to figure out how to be a blessing when, when you're not in charge, when you don't own it, um, when you're just a visitor in a tent. So how do I be a blessing? So when I was told that Canaan will serve Shem, but my reality is the opposite. I'm serving Canaan. And they have strong chariots, iron chariots, you know, mm -hmm. in the hill country. So, hmm. um, so this is somewhere, so Tim, to, to help you tie this off, this is somewhere on, isn't that neat? Yeah. 
to wow, there's a there's a, there's a lot of application there for my life. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and this this just goes back to what we were ranting about a little bit, a little bit earlier, um, in that it's important that we really strive to understand what the text is saying because it it does apply to us. Like mm-hmm. it, it is it's not inconsequential that this stuff is written. Um, you know, a couple of things that you mentioned that had not occurred to me, and, and I don't know if I've read Genesis as many times as you, probably not, but I, I've I have restarted my Bible reading plan, I don't know, countless times. And so I, <laughs> Genesis I'm, I'm has gotten a lot of... the first of half of Genesis... Many times. Many, many times. Yes. Um, just a couple from my perspective. The... Um, Kind of immediately preceding, if you if you take out the genealogy, the immediate immediately preceding story is the Tower of Babel. Mm, yes. And I had never made that connection before, so I appreciated you pointing that out. Um, and if you're not sure, listener, what I'm referring to, I'll, for the sake of time, advise you to go listen to Bill's sermon, and you'll you know what I mean. But that was a super helpful um, to be reminded. Uh, Terah dying in Haran and not, not actually making it all the way to Canaan. Right. Um, I, I mean, it's clear the days of Terah were 205 years and he died in Haran. Yeah. And I just read it kind of flippantly, kind of like, oh, okay. He lived really, really long and he died there, you know, and not thinking twice about that. Um, and then um, you gave a little bit more context about Tara and the meaning of his name and that he was an idolater. Mm-hmm. We read that in um, Joshua, I think. Right. And, and again, like never making those connections before, which then triggers a bunch of other thoughts in my head of, well, okay, patriarchal society, who's to say that Abraham wasn't at least initially like his dad, right? That, that's exactly in right. his hometown. That's exactly right. The Lord God, who's in twelve one, says go, and he he goes. I know, which makes it all that much more amazing. I know to me, it's just amazing. It's just you know, and you know, especially when you're talking about Abraham's faith and trying to have faith like Abraham. It's like man. <laughs> so when when God chooses Noah, we're explicitly told that Noah is a righteous man. Yes. Yep. So the faith of the covenant promise given to Adam and Eve that she would be the mother of all the living um, is evident and obvious and strong in Noah. Right. Uh, We know that Noah wasn't saved by works, but there's something really, really special about him that's explicit in the text. Yeah. We can infer that about Abraham. Maybe he was like the standout. He was the one guy of all of Terah's sons who didn't worship the moon, and all of the community, everybody on the block, right? Uh, all you know, everybody in that zip code in uh, Ur of the Chaldees, everybody kind of in the in metropolitan Babylon, you know, yeah. every June first or September thirtieth or whatever the the moon wor- Christmas 
Christmas on the moon, whatever that was. Yeah. Abraham was the one guy who stayed home, like Daniel, you know. But the text doesn't tell us. Yeah. My hunch is he was... Uh, not a, maybe he was a little uncomfortable with moon worship. Maybe his great-grandmother, you know, had taught him about Yahweh God and the promise. Maybe he was somewhat conflicted. But I think it's pretty easy to, to not assume the full sort of Noahic righteousness. And it's, it's, to me, a lot more probable that Abraham was a fairly nondescript, member of his father's family yeah and um but it's fun to i think speculate a little bit and just to again enter the story there yeah which is part of the reason that that kind of preaching is helpful because it invites our it, it awakens our imagination in a way that preaching an epistle just doesn't sometimes and hopefully for i know for me it helps me to think through and make connections to other parts of god's word so I think a lot about I've been thinking a lot about Ruth because it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot about Ruth. Very um, good. And then even now I'm thinking a little bit about like Job is explicitly called out as a righteous man, mm-hmm. but you know theologians and and scholars argue that he probably lived well outside of the of God's covenant people. Just you know I think where so. he was. So, I think so. So he was kind of another like a stranger in a, stra- in a strange right. land type situation right um by the way um i said this is the mount rushmore of genesis yeah if you're looking for a mount rushmore of the old testament abraham doesn't make the cut it's, it's a pretty controversial statement there phil i think it's daniel job elijah david Surely David. No. no. You wouldn't put David on Mount Rushmore? And I would say Ezekiel. Wow. Um, and I get that because in Ezekiel, we get those three. And Abraham isn't, isn't mentioned. I mean, the sovereign God mentions the three most righteous people he can think of. Hmm. So Noah, I may be misquoting it now. Noah. Job, Daniel. You said Elijah. And Elijah. I mean, something like that. Hmm. So God skips over Abraham is my point. Uh, We're looking for the the Mount Rush, like the most righteous men in the Old Testament. Yeah. It's not Abraham. But he is, without a doubt, the father of all who believe. So something extremely righteous about Abraham. And that was counted to him as righteousness. That's right. That's part of the blessing of Abraham is that God made him righteous. There's nothing sparkling about him per se. This gets back to why my imagination sees, unlike Noah, I see Abraham as just a regular guy. Yeah. You know, doing his thing. Yeah. And God taps him on the shoulder and just an act of an astounding act of grace mm. and says, you're my guy now. And even more amazing than God choosing Abraham is that Abraham followed. Like he actually <laughs> followed God. <laughs> yes. Well, he, 
he followed God, not knowing where he was going, and believing in a promise that there was no was, way it, it could, was impossible. It was impossible. It was literally impossible. Yeah. yeah. And he knew it was impossible. Yeah. And yet, so. But I mean, much that I'm not saying that we're Abraham, but same can be said for all of us, right? I think we're so. We're in an impossible situation apart from God. I think so. Yeah. And it's by God's grace alone that our impossible situation is made possible by the work of the Spirit in us because of what Jesus has done. So. Man, so much to think about. I, I wish we could spend another hour. I mean, we could. We just, you know, not post it. But right. for the sake of all of our listeners, all of our dozen listeners. Um, Are we up to 12 now? Oh, I don't know. I'm just making up the number. I hope so. I hope so. I know that some of the men listen to this and uh, give good feedback. Well, if you're listening and you have my cell phone, shoot me a text. Let me know how... Uh, how the podcast is going because we are trying to get the word out about it but we're not you know we're, we're doing it primarily for for our congregation but if it's it's a help to you let tim or me know yeah and then make an effort to be here sometime we'd love to have you we would um we got a lot more weeks ahead of of this series and i'm really looking forward to it i mean I hope you save some some of the tank for the rest of the well. You series. you brought the heavy hitter. You brought O. Palmer Roberts in this morning. We didn't even we crack didn't even open talk about it. We Christ of the Covenants. Yeah, well, but we'll, we'll have opportunity to give the good doctor his credit. Yes, yes, um, certainly. You can't go through the patriarchs and not talk about God's covenant. So, mm-hmm. um, it's been. A blast this morning going through this with you, Phil. Thanks to all of our listeners who have tuned in. Um, we look forward to being with you again next week. We do pray that you'd have a, a blessed week. And like Phil said, if this was a blessing to you or if you have questions, shoot us a text. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, uh, this is the Deeper Cut Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.